welcome to the sixth season of For the Quantum Grammar Shoot podcast. I'm your host, Colin Jason Hyphen Matthew Colin Glass, and in this season, I'm going to be concentrating much more on the grammar and sharing my knowledge thereof. To those listeners who are serious about the grammar and are serious about learning it and about learning the benefits that it can present to you as a tool in your navigations through your day-to-day life. Thank you very much for joining me. It doesn't matter how many videos I create which touch on the reason why I sometimes use all caps with my correct sentence structure, communication, parse, syntax, grammar, there's always a commenter or a viewer who comes on and either politely asks for that closure or they become accusatory and say, why are you using dolphin Latin or dog Latin or donkey Latin or whatever? whatever they think it is, whatever the fiction has obviously caused them to believe it is, or they've chosen to believe it is. And this is a common scenario of people coming into a venue without first doing the homework, first putting in at least a little bit of research into what they're delving into. And that's a common theme today I've found with most people, even people that want to learn quantum grammar. They seem to just want it handed to them on a silver platter without any work on their part. And at the first sign of trouble or the first sign of a contradiction or cognitive dissonance, they abandon the whole thing and blame the person that's spoon feeding them. That is why. I have constructed my domain in the way that I have. I have safeguarded myself at every turn to prevent these things from happening, to keep the non-serious dilettantes away from me and to keep it wide open for those serious people who don't need to be convinced of anything, don't need to be sold anything, don't need me to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. They're just here to learn the grammar. That simple, that easy. Student, teacher, done. No arguing. There are challenges, of course, but there's no arguing. It's all honor, grace, peace, neutrality, rule one, rule equal. And by watching some of the recent videos by the quote-unquote big names of quantum grammar these days, it's my perception that those big names could do well with a refresher course on what rule one rule equal is. So for the umpteenth time, I'll give a little closure on all caps. 
when someone, a perceived authority, tells a viewer, well, all caps means this, means it's glossa. It's not even quote-unquote English. It's dog Latin. And the proof of this comes from this such-and-such styles manual on page 666. Yay. Whoever that was that just said that just told you, the listener or viewer, that they give jurisdiction and authority to their grammar to the fiction. The very system that they're whining and complaining about, they are giving authority to, because that's a fiction styles manual. Probably, most likely, I can't say for sure, but it's my guess, the styles manual was written by Master Masons. And these people are giving authority to those people for their grammar. Now that's their choice. I got a lot of respect for, what's his name, Bromley Stewart. I can tell the guy knows a lot. He's very intelligent. He uh, appears to have done some performances on his own with regards to, well, whatever he does. But he's very intelligent, knows a lot about language. One thing he does not know about is correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar. Therefore, he's not in a position to pass any kind of judgment or critique on it because he has never used it and he doesn't know it. If he does know it, I've never seen any evidence of it. And as a side note, the guy's a hell of a guitar player. Much respect to him for that. Correct sentence structure is a completely different domain than the fiction. And as I'm very fond of saying, and if you're a regular listener, you've heard me say it ad nauseum, it's 90% psychological. Learning it is 90% psychological. And if one is unable to overcome these psychological hurdles, if they are unable to create these neurological pathways within themselves, then there's going to be always be a piece missing. And it's going to be rough sailing. So how do we create, as our own authorities of our own constructs, how do we create our dictionaries, our styles manuals? What do we use for that? If we don't want to give jurisdiction to the fiction for that. Well, there's only one logical method of doing that. And that's to use what's available to us. What's available to us? The fiction. <laughs> As goofy as that sounds, that's how it works. Doesn't matter what language it is. If you follow those rules that you go back to the earliest available to you, nativity mean of a word using an adverb, verb, adjective, pronoun, source, like etymology online, a Latin dictionary, a Sanskrit dictionary, Greek dictionary, French, Old English, Norse, whatever it is, whatever you're using. Hawaiian, whatever, whatever you're using, you go back to the original nativity mean that you can find, that you can understand, 
and then you go and use a different source, maybe one, two, three, four sources, and you cross-reference them as using the earliest finite means and the earliest common links between those finite means, then the knowledge will start to take shape as a value for that word you're trying to give closure to. You take that knowledge, that information, that data, and you formulate a quantum grammar finite mean and put it in your dictionary. It's the same thing with a styles manual, which would also be included in your dictionary. You would use various styles manuals, adverb, verb, adjective, pronoun, styles manuals, and I myself have several. I've used recent ones from this century. I've used them from the 1800s, 1900s, you know, 20th century. Various ones online and hard copy, cross-referenced. And I've come up with closure for things like periods, commas, brackets, hyphens, dashes, long dashes, capitalization, a mixture of caps and lowercase, underlining, so on and so forth. And I've given closure to those things in the styles manual of my dictionary. And that's how you can do it too. We can use adverb, verb, adjective, pronoun, fiction sources to verify and confirm the values that we create and authorize into our dictionaries, which govern our construct and our contracts. When you create a correct sentence structure, communication, parse, syntax, grammar, document, contract, postal, vessel, court, venue, there must be closure for every single thing, every single element that's on that paper vessel. From punctuation to justification, capitalization, facts, positionals, lodials, verbs. And then if you're including some sort of syntax evidence, if you've commandeered another vessel, then you have to give closure to the syntax values of adverb, verb, adjective, pronoun, past tense, future tense, conjunction, and all those things. And also the 12b7 through 12b1 in some form or another, depending upon what type of claim it is. That's not always necessary. But the point is, the point being, everything on that document must have closure and or at least there must be information on that document directing the reader to a venue where they can get immediate closure. So if you include the dictionary, which I highly advise you do with the document, the dictionary need only pertain to that document. Say if you have a dictionary that has 6,000 words in it, you don't need to include a 6,000 word dictionary to a two-page document. You would just use and include all terms, hieroglyphs, 
and functions that pertain only to that document and nothing extra that has nothing to do with the document. It's basic logic, common sense. And that's how you would do it. So this started out as me talking about being asked about all caps and turned into sharing with you my closure on how to create a dictionary and a styles manual of your own using correct sentence structure, communication, parse, syntax, grammar. Now, this isn't really going to be much help to you if you don't first learn correct sentence structure, communication, parse, syntax, grammar. And also, there are also certain terms and conditions that must be in place in order for you to create a document contract postal vessel court venue using quantum grammar. And I will go into that in the next segment. If you're going to create a document contract postal vessel court venue using quantum grammar, what is the one thing that you need that you must be in possession of? Anybody have an answer? I'll give you a minute. Actually, I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three. You need a claim of the live life. If you do not have a claim of the live life, uh, more specifically, a correct claim of the live life, then your correct sentence structure document is not really going to have any weight behind it. I don't know anyone who's been sec- successful using correct sentence structure, creating a document contract postal vessel court venue without having the closure of a claim of the live life. It's hard enough learning this stuff and using it with the claim of the live life and going out and performing. Imagine how hard it would be to do it without a claim of the live life. You would have no position. First, you must have a position with which to make a claim from. And if you don't have that claim of the live life, then you have no position. And that's the importance of it. The interesting thing about it is, in order to have a claim of the live life, you don't need to know correct sentence structure. However, in order to use correct sentence structure, you must have knowledge of it, be conversant in it, and have a claim of the live life. So you must be able to use correct sentence structure in order to use your claim of the live life, unless you know someone else that can kind of tow you and can become the authority of your vessel because they are knowledgeable of correct sentence structure and they know how to use it and they know these mechanics. They can kind of tow you behind them and take authority over your vessel until such time as you learn it yourself. But that's a very rare and, if I might add, a very expensive thing to do. That's why I always, always, always highly recommend learning the grammar yourself so you can do all these things yourself and you don't have to look for other people to do it for you. You don't have to rely or be dependent on anyone else. It's you yourself, your psyche, your authority, your autonomy which as I've stated since the beginning, when I began teaching this stuff, that is my volition with whomever I teach. That if they're open enough and motivated enough to learn this, 
I'll stick with them the whole way until they get to such point where I just kind of push their vessel off into the sea of space and they don't even have to look back at me because they know what they know and they have closure on it and they don't need me anymore. Now I realize there are big name celebrity quantum grammar people out there who cultivate a culture of need and dependency. You can't do anything with this unless you get my authorization. You have to pay me this amount of money in order to learn this. This is classified. You have to go through my postal court to do this because I'm the authority. I'm the judge. I mean, whatever. If you choose to participate in that fiction belief system, that's up to you. And if it works for you, that's awesome because I am a big proponent of use whatever works as long as it's not harming anyone uh, maliciously. But if you want to be autonomous and take care of all these things yourself and not bow or submit or give authority to someone over you, then it's great to learn this grammar yourself and become your own authority and not worry about what anybody else is claiming or not claiming. It's that simple. Uh, you can check out my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com forward slash Jason Matthew Glass. Or you can shoot me an email at jasonmatthewg17 at gmail.com if you have any questions about quantum grammar or if you would like to apply for a confidential workshop. Thanks for listening.